Well, welcome. Good morning. Uh, we're going to be in God's Word this morning. We're going to open it up. Uh, it's been a, a good week. Uh, I know that y'all have got plenty of rain, uh, probably some more coming, but uh, Jason had mentioned that whoever's praying for rain, we can hold off. Back up just a little bit and pray a little bit later. Amen. This morning we'll be in the Old Testament. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, we'll go to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be looking at five verses of Scripture, 13 through 18. Uh, interesting uh, studying this week in Proverbs. Uh, just these three, five, five verses. I just kind of got stuck on them and was reading them. I want you to open them up this morning. This will be a, a, a lesson morning. This is going to be some, there's a lot in these five verses. There's a lot of material in here, a lot of inspired word in the, inside these verses. You might want to take a, a note or two. At least mark this down in your Bible where you can go back and, uh, and, uh, and see it. So, uh, Miss Ann, has anybody preached this verse before? She's got it recorded, so she sends me a recording. She said, yeah, we, we did this when Brother Parker was here 10 years ago. <laughs> Not yet. Okay, all right. Well, Proverbs is going to be a good one. Huh? <laughs> the, the title of the message and the title of the source of genuine happiness. Look at those words. Genuine is a word that means a lot to you. You know, when you say something that's genuine, it's very sincere. It's very pure, Right? So look at happiness. Happiness is a word we're all looking for. We're all searching for that word, happiness. And then we always want to know where the source is. Where does it come from? And I think that, that when we open up this book in Proverbs, these chapter, these verses, you're going to get a good idea of the source of genuine happiness. Not just happiness, but genuine happiness. Proverbs three thirteen through 18 is where we'll be. So God has given us a tool at our fingertips that is a guidebook for everyday service, for everyday work. He's given us the Bible. The Bible is full of knowledge. It's a, it's a tool that he's given us for everyday living. The Bible is instructions and guidance in every single aspect of our life. There's nothing that you're dealing with. There's nothing in, in your life, nothing that you're having to go through, nothing that, that can't be answered and explained in the Bible. We read about examples of people who responded over the last several weeks. We've talked about John the Baptist. We talked about other people in the Bible, but we talked about people who responded to God's word, who responded to his will for their lives. We see people who have uh, hesitated, but then responded. And there's also people throughout the Bible who did not respond to God's will for their lives. They made bad choices. They made other things. We have examples of Jesus. He gave us uh, the model example of how to serve people. He came for to, to serve, not to be served. We know that he was the model example for that. He showed us how to spread God's love to lost people. The Bible was written thousands and thousands of years ago by men who was inspired through the power of the Holy Spirit to write what God wanted us to know, what he wanted us to hear, how he wanted to talk to us, what he wanted to share with us, how he wanted to guide us. He, he inspired these men to write this down so that years, thousands of years later, we could read it, we could study it, we could meditate on it, and we would understand it. God wants to share things with us. The Bible is just as relevant today. It's just as important today as it was the day it was written. Amen? It hasn't changed. It's the one thing that you can base all other things on. The Bible is the same today as it was when it was written thousands of years ago. Not one thing has changed in it. People try to change things in the Bible. But when we study the Bible, we don't take anything away from it 
other than what God wants us to gain. We don't add anything to it. We don't adjust it to make it fit the lifestyle of the people around us or, or make it comfortable. God's word a lot of times isn't comfortable. A lot of times it's, oh, he's stepping on my toes. He's preaching outside of the box a little bit. But God's word is not meant necessarily to make us comfortable. It's meant to guide us in the way that God wants us to live. It's relevant today. Each and every verse of scripture is is made to enhance our lives here on this earth, but it's made to enhance our relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who wrote the book. Scripture is intended to help us navigate through a a world. We talked about in the past, we talked about how to navigate through this broken world. Man, this world is full of struggle, and we have to be able to live in it, not of it, but in it. And we have to be able to navigate through it. And sometimes it's a little bit more difficult than other times, but the Bible is intended to help us there. The Bible is intended to help us make wise choices. This is where we're going to get into it this morning, to avoid the choices that bring consequences, because unwise choices a lot of times bring consequences that we don't necessarily want to deal with. We don't want to go through that. The Bible refers to these bad choices, and, and we looked at that in the Proverbs, and we looked at it in our study Wednesday night, but the Bible refers to bad choices as foolishness. It's the difference between wise choices, wisdom, and foolishness. It makes a very distinct uh, separation between these two, and it encourages people to seek wisdom over foolishness. You would say, well, I'm, I'm not a fool. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to deal with foolishness. But let me tell you, the Bible refers to bad choices as foolishness. This past Wednesday night, we began a study in the book of Proverbs. It was an awesome night. Um, you got to understand where Proverbs is. We went through the first seven chapters of Proverbs this week. Now, the study started Wednesday night, and basically it was only focused on the Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. There were some questions associated with it, but, but the reading beyond that was, was for the first seven chapters. And basically what they recommend, and this has always been something that's been recommended for years, is you should read one proverb per day. There's 31 proverbs in the book of the Bible. Read one per day that corresponds with the number of the day of the month. For instance, today's the 25th. Today you should go read Proverbs 25. That was the way it was working. But now in this four-week study, we're going to go through the whole book of Proverbs. And you want to read the first seven. This week we'll be reading 8 through 14. Are y'all tracking with me? A lot of proverb reading, huh? But anyhow, when you get into the routine, it's just great. The Proverbs are very important. And I've heard pastors for years and mentors and, and people who are invested in other pastors say, read one proverb every day because of the amount. And you read it every month, the same proverb for the same day because of the amount of insight, the amount of truth that's in every single proverb. This Wednesday, we had a, a great time. If you don't wasn't with us, join us this Wednesday night. Uh, six, we eat, and at seven, we have Bible study in here, and uh, it'll be great. We're going to continue on in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is considered one of the books of the Bible that's referred to as wisdom literature. Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, those are actually Bibles, uh, ver- books of the Bible that you can gain wisdom from, all right? And, and Proverbs is one of those main ones. So when you look up proverb, in general, a proverb can be defined as a brief, powerful saying that reveals a general truth. 
And that's where you're going to get in the Proverbs. You're going to get these general truths, what God wants you to know, things that are true. It's not that this book is any more important than any other book in the Bible. It's not that Proverbs is more valuable than Genesis through Revelation. That's not the case. That's not what we're talking about. But it has very specific truth that, that God wants us to know. The book of Proverbs was written mostly by Solomon, who was considered the wisest man to ever walk the planet, with the exception of Jesus Christ, who was God in human form. Proverbs was con- uh, Solomon was considered the wisest man to ever walk. He, he prayed, asked God to give him wisdom, and that's what God gave him. But yet he was just a man. He was the wisest man who ever lived specifically because his wisdom was true wisdom. And that's the difference between just wisdom and, and, and worldly wisdom and, and knowledge. We're going to talk about that. But he had true wisdom because it came from God. But you understand Even though he had wisdom from God, he was still just a man. And there's a difference about the wisdom that comes from God and God's wisdom. Because God will never understand exactly God's wisdom at his level because it's unsearchable. As much wisdom as as Solomon had, God's wisdom is always greater. But when we're seeking wisdom, we want to seek God's wisdom in our life. And we want to apply it to our lives. The Bible says that the depth of God's wisdom is unsearchable and it's beyond measure. When you're looking at for God's wisdom, you'll never see the end of it, just like you'll never know the end of him until we're standing in his presence. And I'm not sure even standing in his presence, we're going to know beyond what we know now, but, but it's unsearchable and it's beyond measure. There's no way to comprehend the extent of God's wisdom. It's getting deep, isn't it? This is a deep subject. The book of Proverbs is considered a guidebook for living a successful and God-fearing life. If you want to be successful, if you want to live a God-fearing life, you want to invest in this book of, of the Bible and Proverbs because that's what it's geared for. This morning, we're going to open up God's Word together to the book of Proverbs and see what God describes through the writings of Solomon as the source of general happiness. If you are able, would you stand with me? In honor of the reading of God's word. Proverbs 3, starting in verse 13, says this. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. For she is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Long life is her right hand, and in her left, riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, and those who hold on to her are happy. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. God, I just ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Five verses of scripture, and each verse is just full of general truth. It's full of truth. You open up, you can take one verse at a time and look at it, and that's what we're going to do this morning. The word happy begins this passage of scripture, and it ends with the word happy. You look at happy, the word happy, which is something we all want. We all want to be happy, but you look at it, it's the bookends of these verses of scripture. It starts with happy, and it ends with happy. It goes without saying that we all want to be happy, amen? Isn't that what we're looking for? We all want to be comfortable. We all want to be prosperous. We all want to be successful. 
We all want to avoid the struggles in life if at all possible. We want to take, stay away from those sicknesses. We want to stay away from the struggles if at all possible. Those are all human instincts and nothing is wrong with the human instincts. But the Bible says in order to be happy, you have to be able to find wisdom. You've got to be able to find it. You, gotta, you may be looking for it, but you've got to be able to find it. Another version of the Bible, when you look at different versions, it says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Man, we all want to be happy, and we all want to be blessed. Amen? We all want to come together. We want to have these two words in our lives, and we all want to be blessed just like we want to be happy. God has blessings that he wants to give his children. Man, he's storing up blessings for you. All we have to do is ask for them. All we have to do is be in his will. All we have to do is walk in obedience with him. He's got blessings that he wants to give his children. He wants you to enjoy each one of them, every one of them. Not only do we need to find wisdom, when we go on to look at it, it says in the Bible that we need to understand it. We've got to find it, but we've got to also be under, understanding it. That's why we study the Word. That's why we meditate on the Word. That's why we apply it to our lives, because we, we've got to be able to understand it. That's why we, we go all the way to it, and we want to understand it. If we trust and obey our Heavenly Father, He would direct our paths and the blessings that He's planned for us, because He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for my life, and He wants us to follow in obedience. Let's break it down. I want you to look at a few things. The first thing uh, of these blessings, the first of these blessings is what's called general happiness. And that's where we titled the message. We want to see where genuine happiness, general happiness comes from. And that comes from finding and understanding wisdom. When we think about wisdom from an earthly standpoint, this is one of the questions that, that Jason threw out at us on Wednesday night is what is wisdom? Where does wisdom come from? When you think about it from a, a worldly standpoint, you think about it from an, an earthly standpoint, typically we think of someone who has gained knowledge or experience in a particular area, someone who knows something about something. I, 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 I said, uh, told Tracy this morning I was going to call him out. When you think about wisdom, you think about, and we'll talk about Tracy for just a minute. Tracy needed somebody to come to work with him, and I needed a job. I don't know nothing about operating a skitter. How in the world do you think I'm going to learn to operate that skitter? And I asked Tracy, what we do? He said, I teach you how to do it. Because he's going to show me something. He's going to teach me something that's a knowledge that he has. That's, that's, a, that's a worldly standpoint. Maybe it's an older man or a woman who's experienced something that they want to share with you. Man, that's part of mentoring. That's part of investing in other people's lives. Uh, I have had mentors invest in my lives. I'm investing in other people's lives, and you should be investing in other lives, and we're, we're passing on wisdom. You're passing on knowledge that goes along with wisdom. Perhaps this type of wisdom comes from someone who has learned a lot about a particular subject, and they might have a lot of knowledge concerning the subject. They want to share it with you. It's like it's almost like older people, but the Bible says in there, older people need to have wisdom too. They need to learn. Older people keep on learning. There's no stop to learning, but maybe it's someone who has a lot of knowledge they want to pass on to us, someone who has experienced life circumstances, and they've had to deal with a, uh, things on a difficult level, and they want to make sure that you don't travel down that path again. I had to deal with that. I had, to, I had to go through that. I don't want you to have to deal with that. That's part of passing wisdom, someone to help you avoid a difficult situation. Maybe someone who's had to deal with battling cancer. 
We've all been touched by cancer in some way, either directly or indirectly. You've either had it or you're related to somebody that's had it. You know somebody that's had it. It's, it's the same thing. You don't want to have to deal with the exact same thing. And so people give you that knowledge that they've had. They would have gained a certain amount of wisdom from dealing with that particular issue. It goes without saying that increased knowledge from a human standpoint produces earthly wisdom. Amen? Increased knowledge produces earthly wisdom, but increased knowledge from God and increased relationship with God produces a godly wisdom. If you want to have godly wisdom, you've got to have a connection with him. You've got to be invested in him. There's a distinct difference between the two types of wisdom, and we want to make sure that we have true wisdom. We want to be connected to the true vine. We want to be connected with Jesus Christ who gives us these wisdom. Some people uh, know the price of everything, but they don't know the value of anything. And that was kind of confusing, wasn't it? They know the price, but they don't know the value. Value is what it stands for. Value is what it's worth, not the price tag that's been put on it. They know the price of everything, but they don't know the value of nothing. Consequently, they make unwise choices, and they end up in difficult situations. The Bible refers to that as foolishness. Foolishness is what it says. It's good to have things that money can buy, provided you don't lose the things that money can't buy. Amen? What good is an expensive house if there's no happy home within it? Happiness and peace, two things we're always looking for, are not guaranteed with financial success. Happiness and peace. Happiness and peace are guaranteed through the love of God, through the almighty God's wisdom and his love. It says in verse 13, and we look at a different version. Blessed is the person who finds wisdom and the one who attains understanding. That's just verse 13. Blessed, happy is the one who finds it and understands it and applies it to their life. For her profit, talking about wisdom, her profit is better than the profit of silver and her produce is better than gold, which means she's far more valuable. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares to her. Let me think, let me just stop right there for a second. When you think about the things that you desire, the things that make you happy, I want you to think about it because I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Proverbs 3.13 says, that the person who finds wisdom is blessed. The word blessed indicates a high value of obtaining wisdom. It's not just an average type of blessing. The value of wisdom, and goes on, the value of wisdom exceeds the worth of any precious metal such as silver, gold, and rubies. The value of wisdom exceeds all material possessions. It exceeds the dollar value. It exceeds every single thing that you can put a, a number to it. Verses 14 through 18 describe the benefits of achieving God's inspired wisdom. There's more to it. There's, God's got something he wants to give us. He wants to give us this wisdom. There's a whole book of the Bible that's focused on it. All you have to do is read it because he wants to give it to you. And there's benefits that come from it. You know, in, in medicine, we, we do things that's called the benefits outweigh the risk. You know, is it, is it the, do the benefits of doing it outweigh the risk of not doing it? That's exactly what you're looking for. The benefits outweigh the risk of not obtaining wisdom. The word profitable, when you look at this, this is a, a word William probably knows more about it than any of us. The word profitable means that it yields a better return. It's worth the investment. It's a sound investment. You're going to get way more out of it than you put into it. Amen. You just think about how much you put into the Word of God. You're going to get way more out of it than you actually, the time you spent putting into it. You think about a 24-hour day, and you just set aside 
20 to 30 minutes every morning to read the Word. And that's, that's out of a 24-hour day. You're going to get way more out of it than you put into it. What wisdom gives to the person who possesses it is a greater value than anything gold or silver can purchase. That's what the, the Word says. Basically, what Solomon is saying to us right here is you can't buy true wisdom. You don't have enough assets. You don't have enough clout. You don't have enough collateral. You don't, your, your credit isn't good enough to buy true wisdom. You can't just go, hey, name your price. It doesn't matter to me. You just stick a price tag on it. Because nothing you have from a material standpoint has value enough to buy wisdom. You can buy knowledge. And you can increase your education, you can extend your education, you can buy knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with that. And some people gain a lot of knowledge strictly by just hands-on experience, by other people teaching them. Uh, you know, farmers are taught by their dads and grandfathers investing in, they learn to farm, they learn the ins and outs of it. It's all hands-on experience. You can gain knowledge from that way. In this world, the thing that, that all valuable items are measured against is, is what? What do we measure the dollar against? Gold. Y'all, y'all, any of y'all got gold? Invested in gold? Me either. <laughs> but do you know the dollar is based on the amount of gold we're at? Where's all the gold at? Fort Knox. Okay. We're coming slow. It's okay. The dollar, you look at the dollar. All the, our, our dollar is based on the amount of gold in Fort Knox, and that dollar isn't worth as much as it used to be because it's changed. Amen. It's not as worth as much. Our, our, our dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. It changes. You think about this. It's changing. The value of the dollar has changed, and, and it's, it's not the same. The value of true wisdom exceeds anything humanly imaginable, and that value never changes. God's word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's the same wisdom. It's just, it never changes. The Bible says that wisdom becomes the tree of life. And, and you look at that. The tree of life was also in the Garden of Eden. It becomes the tree of life to the believer who takes hold of it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am uh, come to give life and to give it not just regular life, but to give it more abundantly. You look at it. Wisdom turns into the tree of life for the believer who holds her. The Bible further says that the one who finds wisdom will be truly happy. So here's the word I'm looking at. Here's the phrase. When I look at it, I'm thinking, do you want to be truly happy? Do you want to have happiness? Do you want to be truly happy? And I'm talking about permanent happiness. The reason for this is the fact that there's nothing in this world that's going to provide true happiness. There's things in this world that make us happy. There's things that, that, and and I know there's a lot of things that that make us happy. When you look at family, that makes us happy. Man, good food makes us happy. Sports makes us happy. Grandchildren makes us happy. Fishing makes a lot of people happy. Amen? Lawnmowers make Patty happy. Y'all know that? (laughs) She'd rather be on the lawnmower, meditating on the lawnmower. I think, I mean, I haven't touched a sprig of grass in, in the whole year. Because she's a mowing machine, but, but it makes her happy. And the list goes on and on. The things of this world only provide temporary happiness. When you think about the things that make you happy, it's only a temporary happiness. And many times that happiness is superficial. It only lasts for a short period of time because it changes. Now, grandchildren make you happy all the time. Amen? They just all the time. You know, sometimes you might pull some hair out, but... They make you happy all the time. Take a moment. I want you to think about this. Take a moment to think about all the things that you desire in this world that make you happy. 
You know, all the things that you desire to make you happy. I can think of some people love to play softball, don't they? It makes them happy. Some people love to play soccer. Some people love to coach. Some people love to teach. That makes them happy. You think about all the things that make you happy. Whatever it is, it doesn't compare to what God's wisdom offers you. You want to be truly happy. You've got to get into God's word. It doesn't mean you have to tune everything else out. But money can't buy life, peace, or even happiness. It can't do it. It buys a superficial part of it. But true wisdom and God provides them all. It provides life, peace, and happiness. When you trust God and you follow him in every part of your life, the Bible says he will make your path straight. And when you're following God, it's not a crooked path. When you're not following God, that's when it gets crooked. That's when it gets rocky. That's when it gets rough. But it says in the Bible, when you follow the word of God, when you follow him for your life, it says he'll make your path straight. No easier path than straight ahead. Amen? Amen. It's straight on. That's what it says. God always leads you in the direction he wants you to go. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He provides everything that you need along the way. It might not be everything you want, but he gives you everything you need. So let me just leave you with this. It means it's, it's what this is basically saying. It's okay to not always know what to do or where to go. We don't have the wisdom beyond what God gives us. It's okay not to know everything. We don't need to be wrapped up in knowing all the answers. All we need to do is be committed and obedient to knowing God and following his plan and growing closer and closer to him with each day. And that's by getting in his word. That's how we grow closer to him. He'll guide us, he'll direct us, and he'll accomplish his will for your life and for my life as long as we stay in his word. God loves us, man. He loves us so much. I can't tell you how much he loves us. Man, he sent his son to die on a cross for each of us, for all people, not just for for Christians. He sent him to die for all people, Christians and non-believers, non-Christians. Every single person on this planet, Jesus Christ came and paid a sin debt for all those that believe in him. They can have salvation and eternity in heaven with him. He he did that for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's one of my favorite verses of scripture. Man, God loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for me and for you. Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. We all love to get a gift. And this is the greatest gift that's ever been given. Man's a sinner, needs a savior, couldn't save ourselves. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is prevalent. Sin isn't going away. Let me tell you, we live in a broken world. It's prevalent. It's not going away. You deal with it every single day. Sin keeps, creates a separation between us and God. He can't get to us. We can't get to him. But because of Jesus Christ and the love that he had for us and the fact that he went to the cross for us, provided a way for us to have eternal life with him and salvation in heaven. Romans ten thirteen. whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's another one of my favorites. Man, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your track record has been. It says in the Bible, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. You'll have eternal salvation. There'll be eternal life where you're going when you leave this planet because our our time is short. When our time is over here, we're going to be in eternity in heaven or hell. There's going to be eternal life or there's going to be eternal separation. And that's the difference between heaven and hell. We want to have life, and the only place that there's life is in heaven, and it's going to last through eternity. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And God didn't make it hard. He made it very easy. He said, if you call upon the name of the Lord, I am just and I'll come inside. I'll move into your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and I'll live there. I'll dwell with you and and you'll be my children and I'll be your your father. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I invite you to to make that decision this morning. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And I'll be down front. Our deacons are available for you to pray with you. This altar is always open for you. If you've got something you want to lay at the feet of Jesus, you bring it to the feet of Jesus. Whatever the issue is this morning, whatever the the need there is, you just take it to Jesus this morning because he's waiting for you. This is time set aside for you. Whatever the the problem, whatever the issue, you take it to him. Maybe there's others. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe that you want to join up with Pine Hill because this is a sweet place, place to call home. Amen. Whatever decision, I'm going to pray with us and we'll have a time of invitation. No looking around, doesn't matter. It's all between you and the Holy Spirit. It's a vertical conversation this morning. Father God, I come before you this morning thanking you for, for who you are. Thanking you for the promises that are in your word. Thanking you for your word, God, that you would provide it for us. That you would give it to us for, to glean wisdom. God, that we would grow in relationship with you and we grow closer to you. Father, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day they would come to know you and turn their life over to you. Father, for others in our, in our uh, congregation, God, whatever the decision they have, God, I just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would just, just overwhelm them. They would feel your presence this day like never before. God, we lift up your name. We glorify you, and we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. These things I ask in your sons' precious and holy name. Amen.